every once in a while I get my dancing shoes on and for about three seconds or something like that. uh, We're just glad to have every one of you here today be in the house of the Lord. Appreciate every one of you. You add very much to every service we have. It's it's much appreciated. Uh, We have a, a real young man that's fixing to leave Jackson area and uh, take, take his residence up north. I have no idea why somebody would want to move north. But, uh, <clears throat> Eric, I want you to come down here for a minute. We want to pray for you. He, he's my buddy. He knows exactly when I'm going to be out of town. Every time I've been out of town, he calls me to encourage me. And uh, I don't know how you do that. You know, he, he doesn't call any other time till I'm usually in St. Louis. And uh, he wants to talk to me. And I, I appreciate that. He's my buddy. We've been through a lot, haven't we? And uh, known him ever since I've been here, and been my privilege to be a friend to him and a pastor. And the confidence that he has had in me cannot really fully be expressed. But he's selling his house, and he's he feels like it's God, and moving in with his sister up north. And we're, as a church, how long have you been going? Uh, 23 years. 20, 23 years. Started out in Christ Chapel. Yeah. Started out in Christ Chapel, then Family Worship Center, and then New Life Church. He's been faithful. I kid him, I want to get some new springs for the car because... All that Bible and all those notes that he's accumulated for 23 years, he brings, he brings them with him. And I'm trying to figure out why. But I tell you what, it's an inspiration to me to know that his Bible speak that to me that, that speaks a whole lot to me. And I tell you, if you have not had a, really a chance or opportunity to, to meet up and know a little bit about Eric, uh, I, I tell you, you'll be surprised at the depth of the word that he has in him. And I've even had a number of people, I don't know if they're tone deaf or what, but said, you can really sing. <laughs> but uh, I tell you, some of you would like to come up and we're going to lay hands on him and pray for him. He's been faithful to the house of God and it's always a joy the same. You know, I've never seen him fall asleep. Never. No, you don't do that. So we want to pray for him and bless him and send him out proper. So if you'd like to come up here and stand with us today, I, I tell you, he doesn't, he doesn't say a whole lot in church, but every day he shows up, it's an inspiration to me. I remember watching him ride his bicycle when it was raining when it was sleeting, when it was snowing, and seeing him ride that, ba- that bicycle down North, North Parkway 
And I've, I've felt so guilty so many times. You make me feel guilty because you braid the weather when some has got cars and can't get out. And you drove. You rode your bike with that stupid little hat you had on with that mirror <laughs> side of your glasses. Everybody knew who you were. Everybody knew where you were going. And you have been an inspiration to this church. Now, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we pray right now that you will go before Eric. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the right buyer for that house comes by. Give him more than he's even expecting. Lord, you bless him. He's been faithful to you, Lord. He's been faithful and an inspiration to every one of us. And Lord, I pray that you will make a way where there seemeth to be no way. I pray, Lord, that the uh, uh, that uh, Lord that his finances will be taken care of. That he will have favor uh, with the Social Security Administration. I pray that you will just cause him to be an inspiration, as he has here, to the uh, to a church up there in the north, Lord. And may they see the benefit of Him and know that He is truly a mighty man of you. We just give you praise and glory this morning, Lord, because we know that He's safe within the palm of your hands. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. You'd be surprised how many notes he's got in there of, of the sermons and the messages that has been preached in our fellowship. Going to miss him. Every time I go to St. Louis, I'm going to wait and see if he's going to call me. Amen. I tell you, it, it's, a, it's a good inspiration. If you, if you, if you worry that about life, if you worry about life, Eric's a great example of God taking care of you in the time of your trouble. I remember when he worked at, uh, uh, what's it called over there? Yeah, country, country store. He found favor with the owners there. They were great to him. He's a good example. He was a good example. He was a good witness of what God can do. The Bible says in John the ninth chapter, it says this, As long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Father God, we are so grateful today for your presence in this place today. We're so grateful, Lord, that
We have found that you are faithful, you are true. We have found that you are compassionate. We found, Lord, that in the times of where there is no hope, you give hope. We thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten us. Lord, and you have not forgotten America. And you have not forgotten your church that is made up of Christians all over our planet. We're grateful today, Lord, that we can call upon you and know that you will be involved in our life and in our nation and in this world. We give you praise today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I am struck by... I have stopped watching a lot of news on television. I have refused to be caught up in the emotionalism that we hear coming out of people's mouth. The best, the best hour or two of comic relief is seen in regard to our presidential debates. I found it very amusing and uh, wouldn't watch a whole lot of it. But I am concerned today, and as someone that has been called into the ministry, I'm talking about myself, I realize the great responsibility that we have. For I trust that you're not here every Sunday just to have a social experience. But I hope you are here because you are hungry for what God would say. I hope you're here because you have realized that this is the place that you get life. It is not confined to these four walls, but it also involves your walk with the Lord it involves your time at home, either as a single person or a married person or someone that has kids and is not married. And that you would know that there is something that happens when you get in the presence of the Lord. I have been sick. I have been uh, under a lot of pressure in my life and I crave I crave the presence of the Lord I am addicted to the presence of God cause I have found that in his presence is fullness of joy Anybody say amen to that this morning? The last, uh, about two weeks ago, for almost a month, I was really, I was really sick. Uh, it, 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 it builds depression upon you. Uh, the, the best thing and the thing that I long for the most, now hear me now. The thing that I longed for the most and found that I needed more than anything else was the fellowship of the body of Christ. Come on now. 
because I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to build up uh, Jake's head. It's already big enough. But there's something about coming in and hearing the songs of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not talking about songs that have no meaning or life to them. But I'm talking about songs and, 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 and hymns that has been birthed by the presence and the power of God. A person that does not know the Lord, you cannot really explain it. Amen? You cannot really explain it. But when you have been in it, there isn't anything that will help you and change you any more than the presence of God. In the time of sickness, I have found that just let me, just let me, Miss Betty, just let me get to church. Just let me get into the house of God. Let me hear the singing and the songs and the praise of the people of God when they really touch Him. It lifts me up. It causes me to have strength. Time of the loss of my wife, I couldn't hardly stand to stay at home. Let me get back to the house of God. It, you understand me? It wasn't just the building. It, it wasn't that at all. But there was just that knowing that I'm going in to the sanctuary of God. Knowing that His presence is not, is not contained in a building. But when that building has been dedicated to the worship and the praise of God, His Spirit lingers in that place. I have gone into homes that I knew as soon as I walked in the door that it represented a tabernacle of God because you feel this when you're Christian to those that doesn't know the Lord it's almost spooky scary you don't know how to explain it I don't know what it was but when I walked in that church there was something about it I, I heard the other day and it was probably an, uh, an older one I'm not sure but it was it was uh, they were interviewing uh, Chris Chris Christop yeah, yeah, it's that right there. Just wanted to see if you knew what I was talking about. And as some of you might have remembered when he, he wrote one song I can tell you about, and that, and that was the song he wrote. And uh, it wasn't necessarily the song. It was what he said got him to the place of the song he was sitting there and you could tell he was uncomfortable but he, he kept saying I was invited to go to go to a church I don't remember what her name is she was a country and western singer and uh, her husband she married and got saved and married a, married a pastor and they pastor somewhere over in the east and he was, he was telling about this experience and you could tell he knew nothing about God he did not have the culture of church he, and he was trying to explain 
what he felt when he was in the service. Now, I was, I, I was almost laughing my head off because he was trying to explain things that we have uh, a church cliches to express. He, said, he was saying, I don't know why I was there. He said, and I'm, I'm an alpha male. I, I just want to do things myself. But when that, when that pastor started preaching, something to happen to me I don't know what it was said but I started crying I don't remember anything he was that he was saying but I just started crying something was happening in me and then it wasn't too long till he asked anybody wanted to get saved uh, uh, great raise your hand and Chris said I don't know why I did it I don't know how to explain it there was just something that come over me and before I knew it that hand just had a mind of its own and just started going up and said what are you doing what are you I mean have you ever talked to your hand and said what are you doing being raising raising up he said I, I don't know and he said then the preacher said if you want to get saved I want you to come down here and he said I don't know what come over me I don't know what it was he said before I know it before I knew it, all of a sudden my muscles in my legs just started getting stiff. And all of a sudden I saw myself standing up. I said, what are you doing, fool? Everybody in here probably knows you. What are you doing? And he said, I didn't listen. He said, suddenly I just got out of my seat and I walked up to the front. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what people did. And he said, he said uh, uh, the pastor said to him, said, uh, do you want to get saved? He said, I know what to say. I said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I don't know. What am I, what am I doing up here? You know, he was confused. I don't know what I'm don't know what I'm up here for. But he gave his heart and he gave his life to God that time. I don't know about the rest of his life or or what, what took place, but I never will forget how he described what God does when he moves upon you you know that's church terminology he moves on what do you mean he moves on you well he just does you know I'm playing two people here you know he just moves on you we had a good service today well what happened well we just had a good service what do you mean he had a good service well the people just got really excited and said what do you mean people got really excited it's hard to explain what happens when you're in the presence of God amen but when you're in it you will always remember it, and you will always know what it is to feel the presence of God moving upon you. And I, I say that because in the day that we're living, we're living, in, we're living in some traumatic times. We are. Some of you that are definitely older than me, uh, well, there's one in here. Uh, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Probably if you're 50 years old, you have spent enough time with the Lord and in life to realize all of the traumas, the heartbreaks, the sense of loss. You know, I've reached a period of time in my life, there's more of my friends dying than I'm making new friends. So you, you pull those away from you. You say, well, I, I don't know. That's why it's very important. And I just say this as a caveat. It's very important to not just make friends with your, with your uh, age group.
but you need to make friends with younger ones. You know, they may aggravate the living daylights out of you. But somewhere in there, if you adapt to the times that we live in, I'm not talking about compromise, but I'm talking about adapting to the culture changes that we go through. That's fine as long as it does not conflict with the biblical principles of what we should follow in our life today. And folks, I'm telling you, never has there been a, a time in, in my life, all these, well, it depends on who you're talking about. Some, some people think I'm about 99 years old. But no matter, no matter how old you are, you cannot come to grips with the changes that we have seen in the last 10 years. I mean, that, that's the way it is. There's been more changes in, in my life in the last uh, 15 years than in any other time in my life. To the place I almost get up every week and think how far we have come from where we were. There's good things about it and there's bad things about it. But as we watch the, as we watch the news... It's impossible not to feel the changes that are taking place. And to use the cliche, the world seems to be coming apart at the seams. We, we, we deal with now in the last four or five years things that we have never seen in my lifespan. And that is the killing of Christians by Muslims from and uh, Indonesia to all the way around the world and dealing with the fact and the understanding that China is tearing down church buildings Christians are being tortured beheadings and crucifixion in, uh, uh, crucified in, in uh, uh, Iraq villages burned and churches destroyed and much the same even in Syria never will forget a few years ago when I was in St. Louis we had a, we had a missionary uh, come in and uh, uh, began to talk with him. He was, he was from Pakistan. And he was telling us all these things that, uh, about the, the great things that was happening uh, in, in these churches and, and seeing God really move. And I said, well, that's good. You, you, you've told me all these positive things that has been taking place and how God is just favoring you so much. He said, oh, yes, it just amazes me. And I said, what is the downside of it? And he said, you know, Pastor, I really don't want to talk a whole lot about that. I want to emphasize what God is doing. And he said, he said the reason that we are seeing so much of God move in our churches is the persecution. I, I, I said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, he said, where there is great persecution, there is also a great move of the Spirit of God because they cannot coexist with one another. Come on now. They cannot coexist. Even Jesus said when John wrote it down, he, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but because I did come, the world is already condemned. Christianity or can I say spirit-filled people, Christians, whatever you want to identify them, it's almost impossible, impossible to coexist with non-Christians. To a certain extent, America has been different historically. 
We have got along with Catholicism people. We've got along with Christians. We have got along with so many of them. But we're moving into a time frame that we're seeing so much conflict in regard to there are certain things in religion that is going to conflict with what God is doing. Hear me now. I begin to see and I begin to hear these things and probably have experienced this a little bit more in regard to my travels that I, I, have, I have traveled uh, uh, extensively. I've, I've been in the South Pacific on islands. I have been in, in Mexico. I have been in Belize. I have been in Nicaragua. I have been in some other, and I'm not saying that to just make you think I'm somebody special, but I have been favored by God in leading to me these places. And it's not just so I could say that I've been there and done that, but for me to understand the conflict in regard to our belief in God and what an anti-God society can do. And I'm telling you that we have been blessed by God as a nation like no other nation on the face of this earth. That's why when I've come back in and I've gone through custom lines and I, I, I have thought, and man, when I get on the other side of this custom line, I'll feel like I'm in freedom once again. Now, if you haven't been out of the country, if you haven't been out into a third world nation, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Amen? How many has been out of the country? Okay. I remember you going, where'd you go? Yeah. Where? Nick. Dirtiest country I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> when we come back in, there is something that happens, even with all of the stuff that we are dealing with in our country. There is something about coming back to the United States. It produces two things. It, pro it produces an appreciation for the way that we have been in our, in our culture, no matter bad or good. It's a lot, be lot better than what it is in the majority of countries. I'm just telling you. And we have been blessed. But I'm telling you, things are changing. Things are happening. Today, if there's something that I want to get over to you, it's this. I want you to understand the necessity and the need for praying for other people besides yourself. Besides yourself. We get caught up so many times about me and my problems, me and my family, me and my lousy job, me and whatever you're doing. And we get so focused in on that, we miss what God is trying to do in us. For we are being pressed on all sides like Paul. And there is a problem with conformity. There is a problem in regard to the commitment 
of God's people that needs re-looked at and know that one of the most powerful instruments that you have is the ability to pray. American pastor Saeed Abedin is being held in prison in Iran. Throughout North Africa, the Middle East, and many parts of the world, the Church of Jesus Christ and anyone or any group who bears its name is under attack. In our own country as well, there are great oppositions to the Church of Jesus Christ. We see this throughout the media throughout entertainment and throughout government and politics. Remember a few years ago and they were going to take uh, uh, they wanted to take In God We Trust to thank off and you remember that so many senators and, and uh, representatives come out on the steps of the uh, of, I think it's the Lincoln Memorial stood out there and quoted that and said it'll never happen. That was what they were praying. That was about four years ago and how the majority of those that stood out there that day are under so much pressure that they are either not saying anything about it or they have totally compromised their position on this idea. Jesus warned his disciples in Matthew, the 24th chapter, when they asked him about the signs of the end of the age. He said there would be wars, rumors of war, famine, earthquakes, and pestilence. And he told them, then shall they be delivered up to the afflicted, to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Look at Matthew, the 24th chapter. I tell you, it was not too long ago I was thinking that could never happen in America. And yet we're facing obstacles now that we have never faced before, prompting us to red tag it and signs of the end of the age. The coming of the Lord. They're entering in of the tribulation. I'm not saying that we're in it. I'm not saying we're not. Because I feel that you cannot tell Christians in China, in India, in the Middle East, that they are not being targeted. And can I say this? Beheaded. I mean, can you ever remember a time you thought that that would never happen? I do. Probably up to five years ago, I would say, that is unusual. But now with the situations that we have, it has almost become a daily thing that we hear on the news of the beheading of Christians and nobody seemingly wanting to do anything about it because you're afraid that you're going to offend somebody. My heart goes out because everybody is seeking an answer to so many of these things today. How, how, do, how do you deal with ISIL? How do, how do you deal with this movement? How do you deal 
with a, you know, we sometimes I feel like we're trying to bury our head in the sand and what not wanting to see what's taking place are these things. And and yet I, I, I feel that in even in the church sometimes and people don't want to hear these things because it's going to hurt our ears and we, we really don't want to know these kind of things well, I'm telling you that's not an option anymore it's going to we're dealing with a time where we have to deal with what do we do what do we do I was sitting down at Starbucks the other day and it, it, it's kind of unusual because I call it all the old men and we've got a table out there and sometimes uh some of us gathered together and we're out there talking and I was listening to them last week and they said they were just really getting upset with all the stuff that is going on in, in Syria and northern Turk and, and, and around in that Middle East part of the deal and they, and they were saying well you ought to just go over there and nuke them all take, just take them out wipe them out I said uh, what are you going to do with all the Christians that are in Iran and say, well, is there any in there? And I said, I said, it's moved from China being seeing so many people getting saved and their life changed by God. And now the statistics of who I listen to are telling me that over 19,000 Muslims are turning to Christ every month. Now, I've been listening. I've been listening to these these things take place, and God has brought me into contact with people that I have I have credibility with, with them, and knowing that they are not uh, speaking out of the side of their mouth, so to speak, and they they just talk about things that they have no idea. I'm talking about I'm talking about the results of my research with them and calling them and talking with them and getting firsthand information from inside the countries is amazing to hear. You remember me talking about the the Pakistani pastor that came over when I was in St. Louis? Let, let me tell you, it was two years ago, and I found this out. Two years ago, they blew up a church in Pakistan. That's where that pastor pastored. And he lost his life when standing for Jesus. I tell you, God has opened so many doors. And what, what is our response? I, I say this, what is our response to these things? I'm going to tell you, there is nothing in the natural that we can do that is going to answer the questions that our nation and every other nation is facing there is no answer there is no answer to the mass migration of people there is no answer outside of Christ and I tell you what if you totally believe that God is going to deliver us out of some of these situations I'm here to tell you there is no historical biblical information in the word of God your Bible, that tells us all those that calls upon the name of Jesus are going to be protected and they have a, they have a, 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 a shot 
that is going to protect them from all these viruses. There's nowhere in there there is evidence like there is with Noah that in the midst God had somebody that he preserved. No, he could not have taken care of that any other way. When everybody else lost their lives, God had preserved a handful. Hear me now. We, we have been misinformed if we believe that, 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 we, are, that we are just going to be protected and preserved. We do use those scriptures, though a thousand may fall at our right and ten thousand will fall at our left. But God will take care of us. Yes, God will take care of us. Because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord? Amen. We have to understand that. Death is just a stepping stone into heaven for those that call upon the name of the Lord. What about all these others that we don't want to touch on? What, what about Hebrews 11 chapter beginning of verse 11 and on, on down and it talks about all those that God had, had perceived and we covered this today in our, in our class. How does God define faith? The whole chapter of the book, the whole chapter of the book of uh, eleven chapter of the book of Hebrews explains the way God perceives faith. Be it Sarah that was laughing when she heard that she was going to have a child, and she ate about eighty years old, and she was already past, you know, and uh, and, that, and then the old man himself he began to wonder what he was thinking too. But it says there, in, I think it's verse eleven or verse twelve. It it it, it says. But she believed God. She believed God. And I, I kind of expunged it this morning and, and said, I can just see, see Sarah and all, all, of the, all of the women going into the tent of the women and them having a little talk to that night after the angel of the Lord said, and you're going to have a child in your old age. Isn't it funny? He identified her as old. I find that very funny. Maybe that's why she laughed also. You know, but I can picture that night. She goes in there and says, you won't believe what that man of, or that angel said to me. Went, what, did she, what did she say, Sarah? She said, I'm going to have a son. And I said, what? You're going to have a son? You've already passed the age of childbearing. How do you think you're going to? I don't know. I don't know. You know what I think? I think she remembered that every night she went to bed and she went to sleep. She kept thinking about that promise of God that God gave her. And I think she began to remember that long enough because it says, and that's what it says, she believed, well, from the time she heard it till the time that she had the child somewhere in between, she started believing the promise of God. It's great. We hear all those things. We hear about Noah and we hear about Abraham we, and we hear about Joseph. And Joseph didn't want to stay there and he told all those, all those uh, kids and grandkids and uncles and cousins, said, when you leave here, it, it speaks to me. He knew they weren't going to stay there all the time. He said, when you leave here, I want you to take my dead bone 
And I want you to haul them to that place that God has promised us. Wow. He believed. And all those heroes of faith that speaks of in Hebrews 11 chapter and to see what they dealt with. You know, some of us, we get so wrapped up in dealing with our kids so wrapped up in dealing with our finance, so wrapped up in dealing with our spouse. All these things that so easily upsets us. We forget about the big picture. We forget about the big picture. There is something that is required of every individual believer, and that is don't spend the majority of your time praying for your family and your situations if you want that taken care of then you take the position of reciprocity and that is stop praying about yourself stop praying about your concerns and start believing and praying for somebody else because that reciprocity is I'm, I'm forgetting about myself and I'm looking unto heaven and I realize there's more people in need than I am. You begin to start getting into that. Now I'm telling you what, you're going to be surprised how God starts working for you. All these things that are happening, I don't have the answer for it. I don't think anybody else does except in God. We will get our peace in God or we will not get peace at all. The trauma that they, they show on television, the, the trauma they'll go into organ and, 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 and make all kinds of gestures of how to take care of this. And I'm going to tell you, there is no answer to gun control. There's no answer for the beheading of Christians. There is no answer in regard to that at all. And history will have proved itself out. And thinking about you know, get caught up in this. Well, we shouldn't allow all of these people to come in on this migration that is being done. All these countries are taking and everybody is, is, is to feel, uh, feel like they have a response in regard to it too. Well, you know, sometimes if you get into the emotional part of it, that becomes a problem because we're already dealing with so many things right now that we're having to pay for that we don't agree to. Am I right? So what are we going to do when they pull on our... And, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want, we're going to see a, vi- a short video, about five minutes. We're going to see a video of what is really taking place and the horrors that it's bringing. And it's no beheadings or anything like that. But I want you to see and I want you to feel in your spirit that there is so many needs that are not going to be able to be met outside of God helping us. Give me five minutes.
The majority of refugees that, that arrive in Greece or arrive in Europe arrive here on this island. So these beaches are where, uh, you know, uh, sometimes 60 to 70 uh, boats will land here per day. Most of them have fled countries of conflict. They left all their belongings. Some of them have left even family members behind. They just, they just flee for their, for their own safety and they, they flee for the, the hope of a better life. I mean I, I mean, I can't even imagine leaving everything I know and coming to a place on a little raft and you have no idea whether you're gonna be welcomed or you're gonna be thrown in prison or you're gonna be, you know, you, you, just, you just have no idea what to expect. A lot of the moms are very visibly afraid to be handed someone else's child is, that's really humbling to like be responsible to, to care for them even for that brief moment. Let's go this nice lady. Just go. Take care of her, please. It was hard to see children coming off soaking wet. Um, yesterday we saw a boat come in with a baby who was just one month old on it. And I just can't imagine a mom who, who gets on a boat like that that's so unsafe with their one-month-old infant and how afraid she must have been that something would happen. Uh, and actually, I was just fearful that, that they're not going to make it because they're going to die of hypothermia before they get anywhere uh, safe. So I think it just uh, epitomizes the desperation that we see in this, uh, in this situation that we find ourselves in. They know about the border crossings. They know about what's happening in Hungary, about getting tear gassed and about getting stopped at a border. They, they know about boats, boats crashing out here. Just, just yesterday, a boat was lost out at sea and people died. You know, almost every day, one of these boats doesn't make it to shore. You can tell they're traumatized by what has already been such a long journey that they've been through um, and what will be a really long journey still. I think when they land, they're just so glad to be on dry land and safe that the reality of what lies ahead isn't, isn't really registering. So I don't, I don't think they realize that they now have several weeks journey trying to get through Europe to their destination uh, and that that journey is not going to be easy.
This is Karatepe. Uh, it's one of the refugee transit points that the refugees wait before moving on with their journey. She's four months pregnant, is that right? Four months? Yes. Yeah. And why is she afraid she might be losing the baby? I'm just cleaning the wound. He's, he's trodden on a nail, it's gone quite deep. Uh, the most important thing is that he goes to a pharmacy now and gets a tetanus vaccination. She's just sprained her ankle, probably by walking or maybe when she got out of the boat. Has she felt the baby kick yet? A flutter? Then the baby's okay. We are the first faces that they see when they land. Probably a lot of them have never even met a Christian. When they land on this beach, we're happy that we can be here and be here as part of that, of that first step and be here to just show them that there's Christian people that love them. As they continue their journey along the way, they'll meet other people from Samaritan's Purse and other countries, and they'll remember us. I've never done anything like this. This is extremely special, what we're doing here. Can we turn them away? Sure, we can turn them away. It has been expressed that President Obama is going to allow 100,000 terrorists to come in from the Syrian area. And this scares the little living daylights out of a lot of people. I say, why not turn this around? Why not turn it around and say that there's 100,000 men and women that are coming in the greatest opportunity the church has had in a long time. They're being killed in these Mid-Eastern countries. What, a, what is a better testimony than to find a group of Christians doing something that they can do that the governments are failing to do? Hear me now. This is a great opportunity. I constantly get information of Christians being killed, beheaded. I constantly get information of regard, and I, I'm thinking, you know, what we have to put up with and what we have to deal with is so trivial in regard to what all of these displaced families you know, say, well, they're a bunch of they're a bunch of Muslims. What better way? You gonna tell me that eighty people in a boat, and they haven't ate, and they haven't had any water in a week, and they get off the boat, and there's somebody there handing them some water and a little bit of food and giving them a blankets. Is to me that's more of an expression of the love of Christ than any words that can be said. How many has got children 12 or 13 years old? Just that age group. Can, can you raise your hand? 12 or 13 years old. And, and, and uh, Apollo, that's in northern Syria, right up on the Turkish border. Back in August, in that town, there was a number of house churches. You know, we don't hear this kind of things from, from our news people. It's not that important, they think. 
But there was there is a group of missionaries that were in there, and these were native missionaries. They weren't from America or any other country. These were Arab Christians that had church house churches. They had been told they better leave because ISIS was coming in and going to cause a lot of problems. They refused and one of the articles that so many of those house pastors had was, no, it's the Great Commission that is more important than our life or our family. And even, even some of the, the, uh, the ones up higher up in the missionary organization that was over there was really asking them, please leave. And they said, no, we, we have to take care of the people that is left. You take care of the people that leaves. We have to take care of the people that are not leaving, cannot leave, are too old. The pastor that was over 11, 11 of these house churches, he, he was, I don't know, it was in his 40s, 30s or 40s, something like that. He, he, he sent his wife and he sent his other children, but the boy that was 13 years old, his oldest son, he refused to leave. And the story goes like this. He said, I must do the work that God has put me here, though I am 13 years old. Make a long story short, not get into the grisly part of it. In two weeks, the dad, the pastor, and the son that was 13 years old was dragged up to the center of the community and asked had they, had, had they accepted Islam and have, are they denying Christ? Not one of them, even the 13-year-old boy. Sad to say they were beheaded for their stand. Is that any rough? Is that rough? I don't know. Hebrews there in the 11th chapter on down the latter part of the verse, it says some of them were sawed in half. It's easy to, it's easy to think about that that happened 1,200 years ago to deal with that that is so distant from us. But all of a sudden when we hear that is happening now in the present day, uh, we have a tendency not to want to listen to it. It's still there. What about the Christians that are are brave. And what about the ones that are standing for the Lord? The pastors are under pressure. The families are under pressure. And all these. What is our responsibility? Let me ask you this. What is your commitment? Do you think that you could survive in your experience with God if you had to deal with that on an everyday level? I think, I, I think we need to examine where, where, is my, where is my life at? Where is my commitment? To the Lord, you know, you, you you might pray, "Thank you, Lord, that I have not, I, I'm not involved in that." But let me tell you something: you are involved in it. Every one of us are involved in it. What can we do? Something? You bet we can do something. We can pray. We can pray for these. We can pray for these Christians, especially pray for the Christians that they're able to fulfill what God has placed upon their hearts. They face death. The women face rape. They, they, they face a crucifixion. I mean, I could, I, I've got reports that, of, of things that would just make your blood curdle. Let me tell you something. Our president or our administration is not going to be able to figure out what to do. We have reached that point that America 
cannot do what they have done before. Whatever your belief in that is, it's not necessary. The responsibility, Jeremy, the responsibility is this. We have a responsibility to pray for the men and the women that are on the front line. I doubt very seriously if there's very few of us that that has been made fun of about our relationship with the Lord. Very few of us have had to deal with the criticism, the stigma of being a Christian because to be honest with you, my experience is most people keep silent, keep quiet, and they don't want to be recognized as, as anything. And they just bury their head in the sand. I'm tell you, I'm telling you today, our prayer life has got to develop more than we ever have before. This this is what I want to do. I, I'm asking you to come to the front today. And we're going to form a circle. And I want us to pray for the indigenous churches that are in the Middle East that are dealing with persecution. I, I definitely believe that if a lot of the pastors that we have today would be under the same pressure, I guarantee you some there would be quite a few that would not still be a preacher. Because your vocation to realize you're having you're you're under the most pressure, you're under the most difficult things that life has ever produced. When you think what's a reproduction what's a repercussion that is going to happen on my family if I make a stand for the Lord? What if my what if I'm put in that same position? I never will forget it at Bible College. Max is not here today, is he? Okay. I remember they put on a skit and we didn't even know it was putting on a skit. And that was back, well, I'm just going to tell you, it was back in the Cuban Missile Problems when they was having that. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, they were, the guy was trying to preach. And all of a sudden, uh, some, of our senior, some of our senior class guys came in dressed up in the green fatigues and carried machine guns or rifles and fired off and they were blanks thank the Lord I'd close the school down today if they did that and come in the back and come running up and push the guy that was on the platform I mean they looked like the Cubans looked back in those days they said and they pointed they pointed those guns out at all the Bible school students it was so real it was unbelievable then they said, if you're not, not going to renounce Christ, we're going to line you up. I tell you what, that's about as far as it went. Those kids trying to run out, run outside the chapel that, that morning and do it, scared the daylight out of them. But I'm going to tell you something. The next day, instead of waiting for kids to come in at 8, for, eight o'clock for chapel, the place was filled that morning because they saw beyond the guys dressed up in fatigues and carrying rifles and, and pistols and they realized their life was not measuring up because just that little scared them. Today I'm asking you to come forward and form a circle across this front
And I want us to pray for those churches today that are being so persecuted. It's unbelievable. While Jake plays, would would you join me down here in the front? Give us an opportunity to stand in the gap for Christians that every day are being so persecuted. They need help. They They need to know that somebody is praying today. Thank you. Come on. This is where you see God moving for somebody beside yourself. Get caught up in other people's problems to the point you pray for them. And you kind of forget about what you're going through. I'm telling you, God is going to do something for you just as though you were praying and being concerned about others. Can you just hold hands this morning? Would you do that? I'm going to pray. As we agree together today. Amen. Amen. Stretch, stretch on over here. Come on, Phil. I'll stand in the middle here. Amen. Now, Father, we come to you today, Lord. Knowing, Lord, that only you have the answers to these situations. Knowing today, Lord, that your word has told us that there was going to be signs in the heavens and upon earth. There was going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be tsunamis. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be persecution on a level that we've never seen before. Uh, Lord, I don't know if, if you're coming back in a week, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year. But Lord, right now, your people in these critical nations are giving their life to propagate the good news of your word. I pray today as we have gathered together in unity and we stretch forth our faith today, where that it will encompass, Lord, those churches in Syria, even in Iran, and all of these uh, Islamic nations, Lord. We pray today, we cry out to heaven for an answer today, Lord. We pray for, number one, that their faith will be strong. Lord, in some way, You will preserve those lives. Lord, and that there will be examples of people willing to give up everything. Lord, as we saw in this video today, Lord, all of these people that was coming in, they did not look like terrorists, though some of them could be. They looked like people that were hurting. Eighty people in boats. Eighty boats every day filled to capacity. Lord, I pray Lord, as, as Samaritan Purse is there helping, Lord, we pray for them that finances will come in. We pray, Lord, that they will be an example. An example, Lord. 
And when those people are hungry and they get off those boats and they have been running from the persecution, they have been running because of, uh, of the war that is, that is taking place, we pray, Lord, that it becomes an open door. And instead of worrying about 100,000 terrorists, Lord, if you can take 12 men after you died and it changed the world, Lord, how many, Lord, that can be saved from these boats that are coming in? We're not looking at the logistics of, of the problems, Lord, but we are looking for the answer from you. That in the midst of this, you will get the glory out of it. It won't, become, it won't become something that America's done. It won't become something that Europe has done. But it'll be something that you have done that you will get the glory. Put, cause your guardian angels to surround those pastors and those believers in so many areas, Lord, of these nations that are being persecuted. We pray, Lord that you will be with them. Cause great things to begin to happen that you would get the glory from it. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. And she's going to come and do the benediction. All right. You put that up there for me. Pastor Jeremy just likes to make sure that this gets spoken over you even in his absence. The Lord bless you by constantly bringing good into your life. The Lord keep you so that the care and sacrificial love of Christ poured out on the cross should guard all that is sacred and precious about you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you by having his glory always shine on your life. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you by always letting you know that he is fully present in your life and is self-giving to you. The Lord give you peace, a peace that is unthreatened and undisturbed. May your soul feel the weight of its worth and the significance of Christ Jesus as you go today. Amen. God bless. Y'all have a great week.